right. Are you ready for the word? Yes, you are. Today, of course, begins what's known as Passion Week, the Holy or Holy Week, as some denominations would call it, Passion Week or Holy Week. We're, we're, we're approaching Easter, Easter this, this coming week, which means, of course, today is Palm Sunday. Christians all around the world remember this significant part of the Jesus story. It's, 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 a, it's a story that's mentioned in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each Gospel, of course, presents a, a different per, a perspective, a, a, a different side, if you like, of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Today I'm going to be reading from the gospel according to Luke, and it's important to know that when we speak of the gospels, it's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read the old King James Version, it'll say they, the gospel according to Matthew. The gospel, they're, they're, they're different perspectives. They're not meant to be the same. They're different perspectives on things. And so today we're looking at the perspective of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. And so I'm reading from the NIV. And understand when we're beginning this story, Jesus is heading up from Jericho. If you take the chapters before, you'll see it keeps saying, Jesus is passing through this area. He did this miracle on his way to Jerusalem. He's passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. All, the culmination of all things is coming to his crucifixion, to, to, to his resurrection. It's, it's starting to to build. Miracles were taking place. Things were Lazarus. I don't know. That's a whole other book of the Bible you don't know. No. But Lazarus, Lazarus was, was, you know, he spoke and come out, you know, and, and, and he came, all these miracles. Blind Bartimaeus was, was here. All of this is happening around this time. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. That's in Jericho. But he's, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He's going up. It says in Luke 19, verse 28, verse 44, he's going up. And of course, you always go up to Jerusalem. You ascend. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Other versions of the gospel tell us it was a donkey. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Oh, may that be so for our lives when the Lord tells us he needs something. Come on, somebody. That when he tells that we would, we, we would give it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them as they were untying the colt. Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. And that should be enough. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And he went along, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near 
the place where the road goes down. Everybody say down. Where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blind Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus. The, the, the anointing where, where the, the jar was broken and the anointing oil was played. All, all, the, all the stuff, all these stories are happening around about this time Lazarus. The whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. Now, if you're familiar with the story, and of course we sang the, the song, Hosanna, today. But if you're familiar with this story, you will see there's no ho Hosanna's here. There's no palm leaves in this story. Like I said, this is a different perspective of the same story. It's a different side of the same story. And by the way, in, in Tower tonight, we, we'll be doing a different message that will be on John's gospel, different, which is very different to Luke. But as we read this story, we see no palm leaves. We see no Hosanna, it's, just, it, it's not that it wasn't there, it was just that that was not the focus of what Luke was talking about. In fact, as we continue, we can see that Luke captures a unique part of the story that the other Gospels do not even mention. It says in verse 41, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and your children within your walls. And then he says this, they will not leave one stone on another. Why? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. There is so much, of course, in this story, so much cool, so much cool historical stuff that gives context to this event. And I, I pray as I, I hope I can communicate it to you today, especially a couple of things that, that will help you make sense of the story as well as uh, by the end, hopefully add some practical application for our lives in the short time we have together. So let me just share a couple of things I think are pretty cool about this event in the life of Jesus, just to give some context. Firstly, let me give you the geographical context, and, and I'm going to use this triple wide 
as my, my blackboard today. So what you're looking at here is the Mount of Olives. This is the Mount of Olives. And if you look over to here, this is, this is the summit of the Mount of Olives. This over here is what's called the Kidron Valley. If you're on the summit of the Mount of Olives looking back this way, what you would see is Jerusalem, the city. But dominating the landscape would be the Temple Mount. That would be the thing that you're looking at it right there. That would be the view. And we, of course, we're part of, uh, part of that. But please understand here. So here, here is the summit of the Mount of Olives. If you go just over the top of the summit is the village of Bethany. What happened in Bethany? Lazarus was raised. That's what happened in Bethany. So, so that's where, where Jesus got the, got the colt, where he got the, the, the donkey, where he picked it up. It's just, please understand, this is a short journey. It's very short. Maybe, maybe only about 15, 15 minutes. So just over the other side of the summit here is the village, Lazarus Village, just over the other side, just maybe about here on the other side. And so the, it tells us in the scripture, he came over the top. And as he came over the top, that's where they started putting their cloaks down. That's where they started shouting. That's where they started declaring things, declaring this, this is the king, me, me, messianic speak, if you like, from, uh, uh, you know, all of this is attached to prophecy. Zechariah 9, verse 9. All of this is, is, is coming to pass at this moment. And so here's the summit, the village is over there. Jesus comes over the top and then he starts to make his way down. And so there is a road and it's still there, the same road that he took. Everything's like ancient in Israel, especially in Jerusalem. And so they take this road and this road comes down this way. Now, I want you to understand here, this, this church here, that is the church of Gethsemane. So that is the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see through here, if you look through the drum screen, you will be able to see the Garden of Gethsemane, a few olive trees there. In fact, the book of Luke does not use the word Gethsemane. It just says on the Mount of Olives, that's where Jesus prayed because that's where it was. This was once covered in olive trees, but this is Gethsemane. When we arrived in Jerusalem, it was so such a busy time. I mean, we, were in, we started out the day off at the Sea of Galilee, and we're in, the, in Jerusalem. By the, by the end of the day, they took us straight up to the Mount of Olives, so you can get a bit disorientated about where you are. But they're explaining it. So, so it wasn't until I came back that I fully started to gauge, oh, that's where that was, and that's what we were doing there. But there is a path, a road, still there today, and it goes down here, and it comes all the way down to Gethsemane. And so after looking from the Mount of Olives, and they talking about there's a church there where Lazarus, the church of Lazarus, wasn't his church, it's just where they celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead. Jesus spoke and rose from the dead, so it's, so it's powerful. But when we were in Jerusalem, we took that road, and we were heading down, the Mount of Olives, which is not really a mountain. There should be a video. I don't know if they've already showed it, but here's us heading down. You can see Nito name above all names. There she's heading down the Mount of Olives. This is the road that Jesus took. Now, as we're coming down, where are we going? We're heading towards Gethsemane. That's where we're heading. And so there was about 30, 30 or 40 of us, a whole bus tour. But about halfway down, halfway down, 
the guide stopped. He gathered us together and he brought us through a gate. Should be a photo of that. We stopped at this gate and he said, please come, come through this gate. And so we went through into this gate. We, we, we went through. We didn't know why we were going through. We just followed their instructions. We have little things in our ears that they tell us, please come through this gate. Well, actually, they say, will you please come through this gate? That's how they say it. As soon as we went through the gate, things felt different. It was like, I don't know, it was heavily shaded. It, was, it just felt different. And so as we gathered, the whole bus, we were the yellow bus, as we gathered, gathered together, the Jewish man who was there, he said this, he said, where you are standing is the traditional place where Jesus wept over Jerusalem. This is the place. They don't know if it's the exact place, but this is it. And, and you can see as we turned around and we looked at the view, this is from that place. This, this is the view. And they say, this is the traditional place where Jesus wept over Jerusalem. So that's some geographical context. Let me give you some historical context now. As Jesus wept over Jerusalem, as he stood there, please understand this, it was, of course, not the dome on the rock, which is an Islamic structure. It's not the dome on the rock that he saw, but rather the second Jewish temple. That's what Jesus saw on the temple mount. And as he wept, the scripture tells us that he spoke prophetically. He spoke prophetically about what? As he wept, he spoke about the destruction of Jerusalem. He spoke about the destruction of the Jewish temple. In Luke 19, verse 44, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, of course, 70 or so years later, that's exactly what happened. In AD 70, the Roman Empire, threatened by the Jewish rebellion, did exactly that, and they completely and utterly destroyed the temple. They wiped it off the temple mount. And if you remember from last week, I hope you enjoyed that, what Rebecca shared, but if you remember from last week, she said two elements of the Passover that were not included in the Passover Jesus took. What were they? They were the egg and the shank bone. What do those two elements represent? They represent the destruction of the temple in AD 70. That's what she said. Those elements represent the time where the Romans came in and wiped the temple off the temple mount. Completely destroyed it. And so she said you would take that egg and the shank bone and you would dip, dip it into the uh, salted water. You would eat it, which represents the tears, and you would remember that your temple is no longer there. Even today, Orthodox Jews, you'll see them wearing their black hats, their long, long little sideburns, and always wearing black. Why do they wear black? Why do they not wear any color? Because they're in mourning, remembering the loss of their temple. 
remembering the fact that it was destroyed and they can sacrifice no more. They will not leave one stone on another. Jesus spoke it. So it was. And, and what's interesting, again, historically, is that, that, that for those of you who are into archaeology, if you go there today, you will, you will see, as, as we did, many of the huge stones that have been uncovered over the last, I don't know, 30 or something years. They've, they've, there's layers, there's layers. But they've uncovered these, these massive stones. Some of them weigh up to 14 tons. Where are they? They're on the Temple Mount. They've just been thrown down. And they lie where they fell. You can see there in the corner some Jewish people praying there. Why are they praying there? Because these, they believe these are the stones, as do archaeologists, from the temple itself. And so this is as close. The wailing wall is there. But this is like these are te- stones from the temple. One stone is a very interesting stone. The man, the guy pointed it out. It's the trumpeter stone. That's the inscri- inscription that is on it. This, this lies there with those stones. The, it, it's, the, the words on it mean the trumpeting place. What's the trumpeting place? The trumpeting place is where, where, where the rabbis at the start of the Sabbath would stand on the top of the building. And there was a place where they'd get their shofar and say the Sabbath has started. Even today, the Jews will do that. If you're walking around Jerusalem, you and uh, you, you'll see it, uh, guys. When you when you go there, the, 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 the Orthodox Jews they walk around not with a shofar, but with the horns. Remember the horns you used to have on your bikes. And they'll be telling everyone the Sabbath is starting. Shut your shop. Shut your shop. I mean, they're they're like hard out, man. You don't mess with that. They're like shut the shop. The Sabbath is beginning. I thought I'd try that in church and see if, well, no, it's not going to work. It's It's time to start service. Amen. Might have to. But but, but here's the thing. This, this This is the trumpeting stone that was on the top of the building. And here it is now, just as Jesus said, down on the ground at the base of the Temple Mount. As Jesus said they will not leave one stone on another that that blows my mind so we've got a little geographical and historical context some archaeological context to this event this important event like i said there's so many aspects to it in the life of jesus now let me bring some personal application it's clear from this passage in luke and of course the events that were soon to follow, what was to follow that t- t- tomorrow would be the cleansing of the temple. Friday, good Friday is of course the crucifixion and things. These were the events that were about to take place. But it's clear, it's clear from this passage in Luke, it's clear that they, the people did not get Jesus. That they didn't understand who he was. And maybe you're here today and you don't, you, you're, you're visiting and you go, man, I don't understand who he, 
who he was. The people missed it. They didn't get Jesus. They did, they did not understand him. It tells us as Jesus wept, he says they did not recognize. He, he, they did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They just didn't get it. They didn't get it, and they didn't get him. I'm sure you, like me, were shocked at the intentional and targeted shooting at a Christian school in the U.S. What a tragedy, man. On that day, I was talking to someone who returned from work and was actually quite disturbed and perturbed by what others at their workplace had, had said about it. As they were discussing it, one person said, if Christians weren't so judgy, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Uh, let me say a couple of things on this, because I think it's important. This is the environment that we live in. So I hope this will help you today. I hope this will help you to, to not be bullied or intimidated into silence. Jesus, of course, did say, don't judge. He said that, don't judge. Of, of course he did. But, but context, as we've already discovered, is important. Context is always important. When Jesus said, don't judge, if I can put it in plain language, I'm trying to help you. I'm Pastor Adam, I'm trying to help you today. Because you'll get this. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. When Jesus said, don't judge, if I can put it into plain language, Jesus was teaching just... All he was saying was, don't be a hypocrite. That's the context. Jesus, Jesus is saying, before you make a judgment call about anything, about someone or something, he, he, all he was saying was, first make sure that you haven't got a stick or a plank or a log in your eye. That's it. That's all he was saying. He wasn't saying that you couldn't. He's just like, make sure you take care of your business first. I mean, Jesus was just telling it like it is. Luke 6 verse 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. And if you read the whole passage, I don't have time, time today, but it talks about the measure you use will be measured to you and so on and so forth. And there's some other stuff in there, but but Jesus wraps up this lecture, if you like, by saying this in Luke 6, verse 41. He starts with, do not judge or you'll be judged. And then he wraps it up like this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? It's a question. There's a question mark there. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? And then he says, you hypocrite. First, now listen to this, listen to the language. First take the plank out of your eye. And then, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It wasn't like don't remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't talk about it. Then you will see clearly and be able to remove the speck from your brother's 
All right, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying here, I'll just get you to stop, Anna, for a little bit because I'm going to go. And I'll just stay there. Just stay there. Be ready at a moment's notice, I'll tell you. Jesus is saying here, the best place to judge your neighbor. What's he saying here? All he's saying is the best place to judge your neighbor is in front of your own mirror. That's it. Start in front of your own mirror. Don't be a hypocrite. And we need to do that, right? Because people make mistakes. I mean, people do make mistakes. Anita made a mistake. She crashed our car this week. She knows I'm doing this. Because <laughs> I didn't want to sleep on the couch tonight. It's just like, you can see why I stopped the soft music. Goes the up. But Anita crashed the car this week. She backed into the dentist's um, so if someone at the dentist's car there, she tried to get away, but there's too many people. Oh no, she, no, she didn't know. No, settle, settle down, settle down. It's all for the story. But she backed into it, and she came home. She was upset. This was early in the morning. She came home. She's like, she's, she, she's like crying. And she was crying because she backed the car. It's not that bad. It's not that damaged. I did try to get out of her talk, but I can't help it. There's a big Mazda sign printed into the back of her bonnet. What I struggle with and what she knew I'd struggle with is the fact that her car has a 3D camera at the back, yeah. Maybe I will end up sleeping on her car. Okay. Well, I'm taking this. Yeah, yeah. But it had a... <laughs> yeah. It's nice and comfy down here at the altar. But she's got a 3D thing, Steve. She's got, we've got a 3D camera. Not only do we have a 3D camera, we've got sensors on every part of the car. It's like, I, I brought the car with that in mind. It's like, you will never back into anything. But she did. The moral of the story is, we all make mistakes. All right, settle down. We all make mistakes. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes things go wrong. People make mistakes. I mean, we've got to be careful about judging people. People make mistakes. Stuart and Laurel, do you remember that, Laurel? You sent a text to Anita, yeah. She's like, oh, Pastor Anita, so encouraged by this. I thought you'd be encouraged with it too. Enjoy this scripture. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1, 5, really encouraged me. I hope it encourages you. Anita goes on and reads it. It says this, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you <laughs> and the kind that not even the pagans tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. <laughs> it's funny what Laurel finds encouraging. <laughs> if you don't know who Laurel is, there she is. That's her hand. Uh, all right, then learn from Laurel. <laughs> Always check before you push that send button. But I, I'm reading it out because then Paul goes on to say, and I think it's important, he's, Paul says in the same passage, uh, so you kind of help me, he says, I have already passed judgment. What, you judgy? He said, I've already passed judgment in the name of the Lord. Jesus on who has been doing this. And then he goes on to say, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Thank you for that encouragement. Of course, uh, Anita then texts her and said, um, Oh, did you mean um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5? No. She's like, oops. Yeah. Sometimes we just get things wrong, right? We get things 
you get things wrong. Jesus was just saying, before you look at someone else, take a good look at yourself. Start with getting yourself right, and I think that's good advice. We, we, we should. So my brother and my sister, as a shepherd, let me say this. It is absurd. Okay, now you can, but yeah. It is absurd to think or say that Jesus was saying you can't make judgments. It's absurd. Of course you can. And you must. For your kids. For our tamariki. For your family. For your future. For this generation's future. You must. And I'm saying to you today, don't be intimidated by the mob into being silent or keeping quiet. You know, in Luke chapter 6, verse 42, when he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Listen, the very next verse, the very next verse says this. That's why context is important. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. The very verse after. So what's Jesus saying here? By their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit. It says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Jesus is saying, by their fruit you will know them, by their fruit you will recognize them. In other words, you can make a judgment call. You can decide what is good and you need to. You, you can decide what is good or bad. You can decide how just by looking at a person's fruit, what a person's life produces. Fruit is what the tree produces. And Jesus is saying, if you look at the fruit, it's evidence of the root. My study Bible puts it this way. Jesus is exhorting us to evaluate carefully and choose between good and bad people, good and bad things. Those things that he's telling us, make a judgment call on those things that are masquerading as an angel of light. See, understand this, my brothers, my sisters, those whom I shepherd. We are called to discern. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10 speaks of a spiritual gift of discernment as followers of Christ. Those who seek to keep his, keep his commands, we are called to distinguish between good and evil, between holy and profane, between right and wrong, between immorality and virtue. We are to judge a tree by its fruit. Here's where I just want to bring some life application from today's message. Just, just simply this. I hope that's helped you today. But I want you to understand this. If the world didn't recognize Jesus, if the world didn't get Jesus, if it didn't understand Him, if it didn't get Him, I just want to say, you've got to know they probably won't get you either. You know, it tells us as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and he said, if you, even you had known, 
only known on, on this day what would bring you, you peace. If only you had known. In another lament where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem in Matthew 23, verse 37, it may even be the same event, I don't know. But Matthew says it like this, O Jerusalem, here's Jesus as he laments, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Friends, I want to tell you, my brothers and my sisters, if they didn't get the prophets, if they didn't recognize the prophets, if they didn't understand stand them, if they did not understand Jesus, if they did not get him, it is highly unlikely that they're going to be able to get you or understand you or understand what we are about. And so if you're here today and you go, man, we need the world's approval, you're not going to get it. And I want to say here, you've got to understand we cannot expect better treatment than our master had. Jesus said, if the world hates you, just keep in mind, keep in mind that it hated me first. Corinthians tells us for the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. But to, to the world out there, it's just foolishness. Oh, they don't understand me? No, they probably won't. But let me say this to the Jesus follower. Do not be afraid, even though they do not understand. Do not be afraid to respectfully and freely hold and voice your convictions with wisdom and without fear. In spirit, and in truth. We should speak always the truth in love, but we must speak the truth. Lest, as I said a couple of weeks ago, if we don't, we will end up with a Christianity that is so weak that if it was poison, it wouldn't kill us. And if it was medicine, it wouldn't cure us. We must hold to the gospel and the truths of the gospel, the truths of his word, lest we be so afraid of being offensive that we're not effective. Now, it doesn't mean I'm nearly done. It doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. In this passage in Luke, we, we see the heart of Jesus. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. He wept. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't, he had compassion. He felt for the city. He felt for, for the people. So should we. But we should always speak the truth in love. Always. If they didn't get him, they may not get you. But do not be bullied or intimidated into silence. There endeth the lesson. Amen. 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 Give him some praise. He's worthy. <laughs> Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you're here today and you go, I did not recognize who he is. He is the Lord of the universe. He died that you can be free. Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ 
Jesus. It's a gift. Receive it today. Say, Christ, come into my life. I recognize today who you are. I've suddenly become aware of who you are. And today I give my life to you. I bow the knee of my heart. And say, you be king of my life. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. Allow God to change you. Allow Christ to change you. As he's changed so many here. Anybody lives here who's been changed by Jesus, come on. Let him change you. Come on, let's thank him again one more time. Would you stand and let me pronounce a blessing over you? An ancient blessing. These are not the words of a song. These are an ancient blessing. Priestly prayer. We believe in the priesthood of believers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom, peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer.